What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome to the GOAT District live via the Player Profiler Network. The NFL season is finally here and week one is in the books. There's lots to digest, especially after a dramatic Monday night football between the Bills and the Jets, as we all know. Tonight, we're going to look at who you should be concerned about, who could be a buy low, and who on waivers you should be targeting or maybe even avoiding. There's lots to get to, so grab yourself a cold one, sit back, and let's get. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome to Season 7 of the GOAT District. High stakes, high win rate fantasy football content to help you win that cash. Go subscribe right now to the GOAT District YouTube channel. Pause this channel right now. That's okay. Go right now, search GOAT District on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform, and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything this season so we can help you win that ship and of course, a new night for the GOAT District right here on the Player Profiler Network. As you guys see right now, Tuesday evenings, 9 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in every week. And on Thursday nights, we'll be on the GOAT District Network tailgating before the Thursday night games every week, Dan. How exciting is the start of the season? Man, it's so good to finally have some football under our belt. I mean, you know, just... When we go to Vegas, I, I go down to the uh, sports book, you know, and you've got all the TVs right in front of you, all the screens and everything. Uh, you know, eight games, I think it was, in the early wave, and then five in the uh, second wave. And it was just glorious. I mean, you've got football going on everywhere. You can't even keep up with it all. It's just, it's fantastic. And, you know, I'm sitting there with uh, several friends, and we're all making notes. Hey, did you see that over there? You know, we're just trying to help each other find out what's going on with everything. So uh, no, no better way to spend uh, the first Sunday. Yeah, you were lucky to, to stay on the Sunday. I was also in Vegas, uh, went down last week and was there for the live drafts. We did, the four of us did one, three of us were able, or actually, sorry, two of us were actually to be there live. Theo and myself drafted live. Uh, we had the Gold Bills guys right beside us. Dan, you were on the phone with me. Uh, we were we were talking and then I think you were uh, with uh, text with Theo or, or vice versa. We were trying to make it work anyways, but and Andrew, Andrew just had, unfortunately had another draft. But the nice thing is you initially were not coming. You were home with COVID. And then I wake up Friday morning after a nice sesh of poker. 
And I got a, a good news uh, message from you saying you're uh, on the next flight down for the live drafts because you just you just uh, tested negative, and we still had ours that you and I were splitting on the Saturday morning. I was I was so excited, man. I'm so glad you made it down. We had a blast with that draft. Uh, there's nothing like doing a live draft in Vegas for the FFPC. It honestly is like the World Series of fantasy football. And and it, it, if you haven't done it, make sure you, you're there for next year, next season. Alex, Balky, uh, Chris, everyone at the FFPC did an amazing job. We felt uh, really welcome. It was nice seeing everyone. We, you know, John Daigle, just a guy I love, you know, talking to on on this very show. Got to hang out with him. Dave Turp was uh, was there. We had a couple beers. Danny Mueller, just a, a great guy. David Hubbard got a nice hug from him. Just one of the you know best guys out there. We saw Pat Crane, you know Pete Overzet, Dan. The list goes on and on about the guys we saw down there. But if you don't, if you haven't had a chance, guys, myffpc.com. You can use still use the code GOAT for a sign up bonus, and you'll be ready for next year for the main events in Vegas. But we got a big one tonight, Dan. There was, you know, as we know, very dramatic Monday Night Football. A lot of surprises as we usually get in week one and you know maybe this is overreaction time you know after week one we'll, we'll discuss that tonight but what are your general thoughts on the weeks i i know you like you said you got to watch it in vegas which is awesome with the games anything you know that maybe uh stands out right right off the top here i i think the main thing that stands out is you know you just got to to really look at player usage look less at the you know the actual counting stats and more at you know how much were on the players on the field? How much? How many routes were they running? How many you know carries did they get? You know, all that kind of stuff. We just want to know how many snaps they got. We want to know who's who's out there, who's likely to contribute. You know, because like last year we had Devonta Smith who uh, who put up a zero 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 stat line after week one. This year it was Dallas Goddard. Um, I wasn't too concerned about Devonta Smith last year, but there were some people panicking in the streets. There are some people panicking in the streets about a guy like Dallas Goddard. So. Uh, you know, it, you just have to, you've got to look at the whole picture rather than just what's in the box score. And you can't jump the gun guys. It's football. These guys play 18 weeks, you know, 17 weeks. What are, what are we at? 18 or 17 days? <laughs> where, where are we? I don't even know anymore. We, we, we play eight. There, there are 18 weeks of football and each uh, team plays 17 games. So I'm yeah, thinking fantasy, fantasy playoffs <laughs> with that week 17. We're all, see, I have, I even have nightmares about it. I'm thinking about it right now. But um, our buddy Theo put it actually a, a really nice tweet. Said every year in week one, there's fantasy panic. So he, like you just outlined, Dan, 2022, Philadelphia scores 38 points. Devontae Smith has zero catches. CeeDee Lamb has two catches for 29 yards. Tony Pollard's four PPR points. T. Higgins, 4.27 points. And then Austin Eckler, eventual RB1 overall, scored 10 points, Dan, in week one in 2022. So just another example from our buddy Theo. Relax a bit. Uh, after the week one and you know we'll talk with some guys tonight unfortunately you know i wish we can go on for a goat district uh you know for a, 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 a what is it 90 minutes then is, is like a you know a light light one for us but we we made a, a kind of a roadmap guys we want to hit on tonight and we'll try to get it through as many as we can get to some waiver wires and um talk maybe some offenses just uh, overall more on a macro level on, on how you should approach them or how we think they're going to pan out the rest of the season so let's jump into it, Dan. These are two quarterbacks I'm gonna that we're gonna start with. You and I were bullish on. Uh, it wasn't a popular take, I don't think, especially early in the offseason uh, when you and I were doing those early best balls, especially the super flex ones. These guys were nice values. You've got Mike jo Mike Jones, Mac Jones in New England, uh, and then Jordan Love, 
who had just put up a clinic in uh, with Green Bay in Chicago. What are your, I know, like I said, you and I were drafting these guys. They're really nice values. Jordan Love was kind of a question mark. They're coming off of Rodgers. Uh, you know, they ha- he has weapon young guys around him as, as weapons, but how did these weapons come back this season with a new quarterback? And they look pretty good then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jordan Love was one of those uh, players that I was buying into a lot this offseason. Just felt like he had everything in place. Uh, We'd seen, you know, decent results from him when he had a start last year. And, you know, so I I just felt like the the combination of the price plus the upside is what I was looking for in drafts. And so um, happy about that. Didn't get as much Mac Jones as I got of Jordan Love. I kind of, I was really on to him uh, early, early in the offseason. Still kept with it in Superflex, but non-Superflex, he was just, you know, so cheap, you didn't really even have to draft him. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, he ends up the quarterback, too, against the Philadelphia defense. That's that's definitely saying something. That's a little bit of an eye-opener, you know. I don't know if that's going to continue or not. Uh, but it's certainly something that kind of puts him on the map a little bit. And you have to, you have to think about, uh, you know, if you're in a league that's deep enough where you need a couple quarterbacks and most of them are gone, uh, you know, somebody to think about putting on your team or at least keep them on your watch list. Yeah, Mac Jones putting up 316 yards passing uh, fourth for the week. And then the Packers, uh, Jordan Love with 245 um, still in the top 10. So a couple of guys, there giving you some good production that you got pretty cheap. And then somebody posted Boston sports info, uh, posted Mac Jones versus Josh Allen's Dan, Dan, listen to this. The last 10 regular season games, Mac Jones goes 232 for 358, six or sorry, 232 out of 358. I guess he said 64.8%, just over two or 2,300 yards, 14 TDs and five interceptions. 90.3 rate and then josh allen 20 215 out of 344 62.5 completion and then 23 21 so same amount of yards 17 touchdowns 11 ints with 85.4 rate so just comparing the comparing the two dan and knowing one was going in the second round in one qb leagues and one was barely getting drafted you know kind of at the bottom uh, of, of those uh of those best balls yeah, it's kind of, it's just kind of funny how uh, we we allow our priors to really cloud uh, how we feel about players. You know, Mac Jones didn't have the greatest year last year, but he finished off pretty decent. He was also hurt for quite a while. Um, had a terrible offensive coordinator. You know, the whole offensive system he was working in was just basically trash. Now he's got uh, Bill O'Brien back in the fold, uh, running the offense. You know, somebody who's a quality, competent offensive coordinator. And even though he doesn't have the greatest protection in front of him, you know, he's still been at work. So that's the kind of things you're looking for. You know, a lot of positive signs like that. Uh, you know, I, I'm not picking up Mac Jones a lot this week, but he's definitely on my radar. If he has another good week, I probably will be picking him up and dropping, you know, like if, uh, you know, a, a Brock Purdy or somebody like that isn't doing quite as well as I'd hoped. You know, hey, maybe Mac Jones is the answer because he's going to be passing a little bit more than Brock Purdy will. Dan, speaking of the Patriots and a guy that Mac Jones was throwing the ball to is Kendrick Bourne. Uh, nice little surprise there with 138 air yards in week one, number six uh, at their wide receiver position. There is not really anyone that's taking control and commanding that wide receiver role in New England. Is Kendrick Bourne a possibility even at, again, a guy that was barely getting drafted this offseason? season? 
I think he is. Uh, two years ago, Kendrick Bourne actually looked quite good. And then last year, uh, he really got into the doghouse. Uh, you know, again, the offensive system there was just terrible. And he looked bad, you know. So last year, I was buying all kinds of Kendrick Bourne and best balls. Uh, this year, I basically bought barely any because I'd kind of given in to the, the narrative a little bit on that. And uh, to see him come out and start balling, you know. And he, when you look at their uh, wide receivers, there's not a lot staying in his way. I mean, Juju was only playing half the time uh, that Kendrick Bourne was in week one. You know, unless Juju's injured, that's a problem. Kayshawn Boutte was playing more than Juju was. Uh, you know, we, we do have Devontae Parker who was out and he'll be coming back and that might that might throw a wrench in things. But I think that's more likely to affect uh, Boutte than it is to affect Kendrick Bourne. So Bourne is somebody that I'm, I'm willing to, uh, you know, Take a flyer on cheap in this round of waivers if I have a need at uh, wide receiver. All right, Dan. We, we still have a lot to get through tonight. Uh, we do have to go to a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. And we are back. Dan, towards the end of the offseason, there's not a lot of guys that you kind of discover, you know, per se, because you're drafting so much. And I remember you and I kind of getting a little giddier for this guy towards the back end of the offseason because the team didn't necessarily have that much brought in, you know, to put behind their their number one, their number one guy, I'll, I'll quote unquote. Kyron Williams out there in, in L.A. gave you two touchdowns, ran the ball 15 times for 52 yards, 3.5 average with the ball. Last year, uh, as a rookie, didn't show that much, but the opportunity is definitely there. We see this offense, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a little skeptical against Seattle, to be honest, with the, with the Rams, you know, moving forward. But, you know, with, with that coaching staff and some of those pieces there, they're going to compete. You know, you got to believe they're going to compete. What are your thoughts on Kyron Williams? Is he a guy that you want for the rest of the season? Um, or is this kind of a one-off? No, I don't think this was necessarily a one-off. Um... You know, for one thing, I was drafting a lot of him because the word had been that he was really uh, looking great in the preseason uh, training camp. Uh, and it, it kind of sounded like he was starting to outperform um, Cam Akers. And that's really what we saw. We didn't see a whole lot of Cam Akers until, uh, you know, they were trying to salt the game away. Uh, you know, so while you look at Cam Akers and you see, well, he was on the, the 
the field um, and had 22 carries, he only had 28 snaps, whereas Kyron Williams had 53 snaps. Uh, Cam Akers had four routes run. Kyron Williams had 29 routes run. We know that uh, the passing game is where um, where your running backs are going to make more points. You know, basically every target is worth like two and a half carries. So uh, that's what we love to see. Cam, Kyron Williams only got two targets, but Cam Akers got zero. You know, so this is a situation that I think uh, Kyron is looking really good. If you invested in Cam Akers, if there's any way you can get a hold of Kyron Williams, you definitely need to. Yeah, there's nothing you want more than for your running backs is opportunity, right? And again, for the price you're getting these guys, like one of the guys I want to talk about in a bit is is someone, you know, people are maybe upset that he didn't produce that well and, and might not look too promising right now. But you got to think about where you drafted these guys, right? And, and what the cost was and what you expected from them for the season. So be realistic on both sides, you know, with someone who performing performed really well that maybe overperformed a bit. And then you've got the other side of that. And we're talking about both sides tonight. Dan, do you want to go to Philly or Washington? Where do you want to go talk running backs? You know, let's let's go to Philly first. Um, I don't want to go to Washington either. So <laughs> let's go to Gainwell, man. You were you were huge on Gainwell coming in uh, in the offseason. I know so was I. I mean, that is price in that offense. How can you not talk about Gainwell? What what he showed and uh, what you expect moving forward? Yeah, uh, you know. I'm not the kind of guy who's going to victory lap. You know, that's just not my style. But if I was going to victory lap, what I'd be telling you is I told you all offseason, draft Kenny Gainwell. He's the best value there. He's very likely to end up with a huge role because you know what? DeAndre Swift continually disappoints both his coaches and his fantasy owners. Rashad Penny continually disappoints his fantasy owners. He's disappointed the coaches in Philly and he never can stay healthy. Gainwell was always the answer. That's what I would have been telling you if I was a victory lapper. But I'm not a victory lapper, J.D. I'm not that kind of guy, so I won't say any of that, okay? Well, you also know, Dan, you also know that there's nothing worse than, you know, taking the victory lap a little too early. And and you know there's going to be some of those right now, you know, out there in fantasy land saying, I told you this guy's going to win you a league. Like, you know, it's week one, guys. It's week one. Right. Um, but actually, interesting enough, I found this. Again, on Twitter, Adam Koffler. Um, Kenny Gainwell is at risk of missing Thursday's game after two straight did not practices. If he misses, DeAndre Swift will get more work. And if Swift balls out with the increased work, he could very well surpass Gainwell on the depth chart. So a bit of opinion there, but just a bit of it. Is that a, an update for Gainwell? Uh, or is that what you expected then? Or, or are you a little worried about him missing practice two days in a row for a Thursday night game? I mean, I I think he's definitely in danger of missing the Thursday night game. It's a short week. Uh, you know, if he's not healthy, I'd really rather not see him out there. I'd rather that they use their other running backs. Um, you know, but for all I know, you know, they could end up featuring Boston Scott too. So uh, I, I, I think DeAndre Swift would probably be the smart play there. But, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And honestly, I mean, you know, Swift had the entire offseason. Penny had the entire offseason to try to displace Gainwell. Neither of them could do it. I'm not going to worry about if they have one good game that uh, all of a sudden Gainwell's going to be an afterthought the rest of the season. Gainwell's going to be in the mix. He's going to be, I think, a, a big contributor. He's somebody you want to keep on your roster. And, uh, you know, there's a good chance you're going to be using him near flex a lot of weeks. Dan, we talked about... LA's backfield. Let's go back really quick to the Rams with Puka Nakua, uh, wide receiver eight. I mean, 
again, opportunity with Cup being hurt in L.A., Stafford's still going to sling the ball as long as he's healthy. So you got to think someone's going to catch it. Unfortunately, as Harry Snowman knows, I was on Van Jefferson. I thought, you know, he was kind of a next man in line. He showed flashes. But we saw Puka Nakua step up. What are your thoughts with this offense uh, moving forward? Are we going to see kind of hot hand per game? Or do you think this is uh, kind of commanding some targets moving forward for the rookie? Yeah, I think that Puka is definitely the real deal. Uh, You know, obviously when Cooper Cup comes back, if he comes back and is healthy, that's going to definitely change things. I still expect the offense to run through Cup at that point. But up until then, uh, you know, basically all of us in in fantasy land, you know, we kept wanting to talk about Van Jefferson. And if you listen to Sean McVay during training camp, he wanted to talk about Puka Nakua. Uh, you know, and sometimes we just gotta we gotta listen to what the coaches are telling us. Uh, and I'll be the first to admit I didn't do a great job of that. I was kind of either off the LA passing attack completely, or I was still just taking Van Jefferson because he was the guy who was going earlier. You know, so uh, Puka was still going to be on the waiver wire. I thought uh, towards the last few days of drafting uh, that really kind of changed, but. Yeah, I think, I think Puka went out there and he showed that he definitely belongs on an NFL field. I mean, that was a heck of a debut for a rookie. And, uh, you know, he was, he was selling out to make those catches. I mean, that, that guy was bouncing off the turf in some crazy ways uh, trying to get the, the ball reeled in. And whether he did or didn't come down with the ball, he was, he was going all out for it. So, love to see that. And, Dan, I don't know if you remember, Stafford's a guy we were talking about early in the offseason. I made a trade for him in a triflex for, was it two-thirds, I think it was? And I, I desperately needed, uh, uh, behind Lamar and Desmond, I needed a, a third quarterback in, in a super flex league and got him for cheap. you got to think that as long as he's heavy or as long as he's healthy, they're going to be throwing the ball in L.A. They're not necessarily going to be dominating games. So I think it's a perfect situation for the, for the rookie uh, at the price he was going especially. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and it, it, as you pointed out with Stafford, uh, you know, he's he's looking healthy, he's swinging the ball well, so it's it's great to see, and that's a positive sign for for LA. The you know the Rams we were concerned about might just go into tank mode almost immediately. Well, it looked like they were doing anything but that on Sunday, so it's great to see. One offense that was not necessarily clicking, Dan. Um, I mean, you got to think the environment they went in week one, going to Cleveland, Joe Burrow didn't look great. He, you know, there was, he, he was dealing with an injury coming into the, to week one. And then his boy T Higgins, uh, giving you a big O big donut, Dan, uh, for a guy who was going second, third, I know initially you weren't on T and then I feel like towards the end you warmed up a little, but I feel like that was maybe just an ownership thing. <laughs> was it? You just wanted Man, some? Uh, actually, I'd never really warmed up to him. No, okay, maybe and maybe every, every every time you know, like sometimes I was in uh, you know in drafts with uh, you know doing a team with Theo or Andrew or whatever. They're much higher on T than I am. You know, I it's one of those things where I'm not going to fight it when I'm with those guys because I didn't want to be completely shut out. So you know, in that way, yes, I was. Uh, I was just making sure I wasn't completely shut out on him, but you know he wasn't somebody that I really saw as uh, being a must draft or anything like that. As you recall in the uh, in the it's a trap uh, episode, uh, T Higgins was one of my trap players. I was mean, just not really interested at the cost because 
the upside just really doesn't seem to be there with uh, with Jamar Chase in town. So, uh, you know, I think I feel like he's stuck as a second receiver even last year when Chase missed like five games. Uh, you know, T. Higgins still underperformed what his ADP is this time uh, this year. So, I do think. Uh, you know, there's not too much reason for concern on T. Higgins. I don't think there's too much reason for concern on Joe Burrow as far as, you know, like getting the offense together and, and being able to sling it and start putting up a lot of points. I think that's going to happen uh, without a doubt. I will tell you what does concern me about Joe Burrow. Um, you know, we were, we were talking in uh, one of our chats today and the, uh, the calf strain often is a precursor of an Achilles problem. Um, we saw it with Aaron Rodgers. We, you know, we've seen it with, uh, uh, that, I believe that's what, uh, Cam Akers had as well. Um, you know, but there's a, there's kind of a history uh, in the NFL of players with calf strains end up with ruptured Achilles a little bit later, uh, because the, you know, the Achilles isn't as flexible as what it should be. And so that's, what's causing the calf strain. So, you know, does that worry me about Burrow? It, it definitely does. Or is he about Burrow? Or is he about Chase? 31st, Dan, after week one in passing offense for the Bengals. Not pretty with, again, the firepower that you expected from these guys, especially in a divisional game. I know it said it's tough going into Cleveland, but divisional game, you think they would show up a bit more. The injury is definitely not great. Let's just... You know, all you can do is hope for the best at this point and hope that it turns around health-wise for Burrow, and then that should that should turn the ship. But if, if he's having issues with that, that's not going to be good for those other parts of that offense. Um, stay tuned for that. Then Philly, I mean, especially at the back, the in the backfield was was kind of those one of those cloudy situations. Uh, DeAndre Swift again being the most expensive is probably one of the guys we have the least of. Am I fair in including you in that, Dan? Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we I, I did grab a little bit of Swift towards the end, um, again, just to kind of true up with the fact that I had so much gain well. Um, I have some regrets with that, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and we talked about that even when we were in Vegas, like those that last week of drafting, you're trying to fill in holes of like one or two shares of guys that you either don't have or have very little. And maybe something changed or there's you, whatever your reason is for wanting it. You don't want zero percent on it. Complete fade. And that's what you're trying to do. Right. Am I right, Dan? Is that kind of yeah, what that's, that's basically it? You know, because I had some complete fades on guys, not not necessarily intentionally but some complete fades on guys last year that I really ended up regretting. So, uh, you know, this is like I was fading uh, Kelsey a little bit harder than I should have, and I just wasn't really in a position to draft him last year uh, very much. When I did, I, I had found somebody I liked better. So that's basically it. Uh, what I was trying to avoid this year was just make sure I get a share or two of guys, and so Swift was one of those guys. And who knows? I mean, it still may pay off. Um, but where, where I'm at right now is, uh, you know, Swift is sitting on the bench unless he's the starter on Thursday night. Yeah. And we talked about Gainwell earlier again with, with running backs, it's always about the opportunity. Are, are they going to get the opportunity, especially when there's injuries happen and you like running backs in a good offense, you know, to keep it simple. And that's yep. definitely a nice offense. Didn't look their greatest, you know, in week one, but you hope, uh, moving forward, 
they'll uh, it'll be better. But you got to remember, some of these guys had tough matches, man. You know, like people are poo-pooing uh, Pittsburgh, Dan, but, you know, you're going up against the number one defense. Bosa just got signed. He's he's jacked, ready to go. So, you know, some of these are just tough spots to be in, and you, you got to think that some of these offenses are going to bounce back. We'll talk more about offenses as we move on. Dan, one guy you and I were big on, unfortunately, he's literally uh, one of my highest-owned players and again, maybe it comes back to let's think about what we got this guy for cost wise and we're week one. So through the next, you know, 17 weeks, does this guy pay out, pay out as ADP Antonio Gibson, Gibson, Dan RB 53 in Washington, Brian Robinson definitely got more of it. And I believe Gibson even dropped the ball, which is not great because he's already kind of had that issue in the past. Do you think this was a game situation type of split with these guys? And do you think Gibson gets more involved as Washington is maybe chasing in a game, even though they were chasing a bit in this one? Um, or do you think that, you know, Robinson's the the number one and Gibson is just basically like a, an injury type of piece at this point? Yeah, it, you know, Gibson did fumble um, early, so it's really tough to draw very many conclusions off of this one game. Um, I'm going to withhold judgment for now. Um, I did get on Brian Robinson late um, in the draft season, and I actually ended up with a fair amount of him. And that was that was something that I picked up from uh, our, our good friend Nelson Sousa. Um, you know, one of the things he was talking about was, you know, we shouldn't be so sure that, you know, Gibson's just going to get this backfield. Brian Robinson is a, a good back in his own right, and he's probably somebody who's a, a you know, who's got better running back instincts, whereas Gibson is more like a, you know, a more athletic player, uh, can, you know, he, he can do things that Robinson can't, you know, as far as speed, agility, and so forth like that. But Robinson can do things that he can't, that Gibson can't, as far as hitting the right hole, you know, being good at holding on to the running back, the, the ball in traffic, those kind of things. Uh, you know, so Gibson, Gibson wasn't a fade, still not a fade. You know, if Robinson gets hurt, um, I think it's going to be a whole lot of uh, Gibson with a little bit of Chris Rodriguez thrown in there. Yeah, you and me both, Joshua. A couple of interesting notes here. Scott Spratt, Robinson outsnapped Antonio Gibson 61% to 35% at week one. Robinson never played more than 52% of snaps in 2022. So obviously trusting them more his second year in the offense. Remember last year too, buddy got shot before they came into the season. So, I mean, it's not like he was, you know, had a full off season and, and was fully embraced uh, or, you know, immersed in that offense, like, like he would have normally been. Um, and then on his third carry uh, Gibson with that fumble uh, in the game. So interesting to see Washington uh, moving forward, how this offense will, will kind of, you know, especially at the, the running back position. Dan, I'm going to go to this guy next, just cause you know, it's like a bandaid, right? We gotta, we gotta kind of get it off. I feel like you got me all in this whirlwind about this guy in the last like week and a half of drafting. Uh, played ninety percent of stops on Sundays. Your boy Drake London, Dan, just did not come through. It's almost the opposite of what we kind of thought would play out um, in our little, you know, in our little group, our little DMs. There, you can correct me if I'm wrong on your end, but. Kyle Pitts ends up being, you know, the man getting the, the targets and then London, unfortunately, with a big zero. What do you, is this like a buy low, Dan? Are you, are you totally, you know, getting, uh, getting influenced by this week one, the recency bias, like huge right now, or are you just, you know, staying pat and thinking maybe I can go buy some Drake London in dynasty right now? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely be buying London a dynasty. Nothing has changed about his talent level. Um, you know, he's a, he's a very, very talented guy. Um, I do expect that he'll be more involved um, as the season goes along. But the problem, you know, the biggest problem I see is one that uh, Noah Rudell warned us about on the It's a Trap episode. And that was just the, the lack of volume was going to be even worse than what we were expecting. Uh, you know, we, we thought, yeah, Atlanta's going to be a low-volume passing offense, but they're going to have, you know, still a decent amount of volume. But how much Bijan sucked up out of that uh, passing volume, and then Pitts taking some, uh, Mac Collins taking some, you know, it just it really made for a small sliver of pie for Drake London. I do expect he's going to get bigger slices of pie as we go, but it's still, it's a small pie, and there's nothing that you can do about that. Yeah, it's kind of like the target thing, you know, Dan, especially with like tight ends. As, as long as your boy's getting targeted, he's on the field um, with the snap shares. Remember, this is a second year receiver in a young offense. This, this is a, a quarterback that's just, it's his first game of the season, man. Chillax, you know, um, you got to think that it's, I know people are, are, are panicking and, you know, but one thing you got to, I think, just kind of a, a general approach to the season, Dan, as we, we started with, for me, I always, give it at least four weeks like i just for me you gotta you you can't just sit on your hands and do nothing you gotta be selective with what you react and don't react to but i think especially the ones that you had that you were very strong opinionated on coming into the the season you know i like don't let the one week just completely take you take you off of your your point or your thought process on that player um, you know, let it play out a bit and then kind of make your decision after maybe week two or three. Um, and I, I say even four in, in a lot of cases, Dan. Yeah. And, and, and another thought on that is, uh, you know, if Ritter continues to just be as terrible looking as what he was, uh, you know, we know, <laughs> we, we, yes, the, the Taylor Heineke area era yeah. that, uh, that definitely could be coming, you know, because the thing is, is Arthur Smith wasn't afraid to pull the plug on Marcus Mariota and go ahead and put in Ritter. I don't think he's going to be afraid to pull the plug on Ritter after he's seen enough of him. But he wants, you know, Ritter's, uh, you know, he had three starts, I think it was, last year. And, you know, he's had one start this year. He's going to get a few more weeks, but I think there's going to come a point where if he's just not doing it, uh, you know, Arthur Smith knows that the NFC South is very, very winnable. And so he's he's going to be looking to, to get that division win, get into the playoffs, and keep coaching for another year. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I I went to your boy uh, London, but I'm not I'm not gonna hide away, Dan. I'm not gonna hide behind. I did change my mind on this guy later in the in the off season, but Christian Kirk. Uh, many people believe that Ridley would you know be back kind of where he left off in a in an ascending Jacksonville offense. Christian Kirk last year was the guy, but this year you've got you know Ingram resigning. You've got uh, Etienne look solid i mean that that backfield just just both of those pieces looked solid which which is nice you like to see that to help uh lawrence but christian kirk afterthought in this offense dan is this just circumstance of them wanting to give the new guy attention early in the season like what are yours i know you were on ridley early you and actually dave hubbard um are, are guys who changed my mind on him because you're two guys i respect uh deeply and i hear you two go on about a guy i'm gonna reconsider and, and do a bit of research on my end to, to see, you know, so what are your thoughts now moving forward? Are you, are you fully still Ridley? Kirk is, is not really giving you much this year, or do you think there's maybe a, an opportunity there? 
Well, the big the big problem with Christian Kirk, and um, I'm going to look up the snap counts right here, um, is is the fact that Christian Kirk only plays in 11 personnel. He doesn't play when there's only two wide receivers on the field. So we're looking at uh, snaps in the, the Jags game was 61 for Zay Jones, 57 for Calvin Ridley, 43 for Christian Kirk. Uh, routes run was 32, 34, and 24. You know, so he's not that far behind. Uh, and I think a little bit of it was just the fact that, uh, you know, targets sometimes go, you know, different places, whatever the defense is giving up. Uh, so, no, I don't think it's over for Christian Kirk or anything like that. But I don't think he's going to have anywhere near the role that he had last year because of the fact that he's coming off the field a lot more often than he was last year. Last year he was on the field all the time. This year, not so much. So Yeah, Scott Pratt points out he, he didn't play less than 75% of snaps last year, Dan. And, and like you said, you know, 60% this week. Do you, uh, Zay Jones or Christian Kirk moving forward, Dan, in that Jacksonville offense? I mean, I, I kind of expect them both to have pretty similar stat lines by the end of the year. Uh, you know, I think Kirk is probably the better player, uh, but Zay Jones being on the field a little bit more, and he's not a bad player at all. Uh, Zay Jones has turned into, a, you know, a pretty yeah. competent NFL wide receiver. Uh, you know, so I I expect it to be uh, those guys to be fighting for second and third and Calvin Ridley, uh, as long as he stays healthy, is the, the clear alpha there. All right, Danny's not on the list. I'm going to bring him up. I brought him up in uh, one of these must draft type of shows that we did this offseason. I just did not see a way how this guy would not break out this year. I mean, maybe we didn't see the complete breakout. And and again, last night was a super weird game. I mean, what's with the Bills in these weird games on like, you know, they, they ended last season with that weird game and then they started this season with the weird game. And, and I mean, maybe that's why Allen was shaking up last night. You know, maybe he's just like, what the hell's going on type of thing. Um, guys just dropping around me. But James Cook in this offense, he looked good, Dan, last night. Uh, he looked like a guy that could take command of that backfield. And as long as the Bills, you know, and we'll talk about them as a whole a bit, a bit later, but I, as long as they kind of get their shit together, I guess you could say, um, which last night was definitely a good display of that. You got to think James Cook just good in the passing game, running the ball. He just looked good overall, I found. Yeah, it, this is another thing we were talking about in, uh, in one of our group chats. And, uh, you know, as, as Noah Rudell put it, you know, Josh Allen was playing like somebody who was down 14 points. And he just needed to play like somebody who just needed to not turn it over so that they wouldn't lose the game. You know, but when you turn it over as many times as Buffalo did, four oh, times. Man. You know, and three just ridiculous interceptions by Josh Allen. That makes it tough on everybody. And, you know, James Cook, I think if, you know, if the Buffalo offense is humming, he's going to be a big part of that uh, and should be a big part of that. But when you've got Allen making boneheaded plays and constantly giving the ball to the other team, uh, it's pretty tough to get touchdowns when uh, you can't get down to the red zone because you've turned it over already. Our buddy Dwayne McFarland, uh, who is also uh, big on James Cook, points out on a latest tweet, 61% snaps for James Cook, 67% rush attempts, 50% route participation, 15% target share, and only 10 points in a tough matchup. And that's the thing, Dan. I mean, that, that defense is pretty legit. I mean, they're probably, what, number two uh, right now? You Top three anyways in, in the league behind San Fran, and I don't even know who else you'd put there. 
Yeah, you got to put San Fran there for sure. Uh, Dallas definitely there. Dallas, sorry, that's yeah. the other team I was forgetting there. And and yeah, the Jets, uh, you know, are probably right in that conversation as well. Uh, so it's it's going to be an interesting game between Dallas and uh, the Jets this next week, I believe it is. So uh, that's that's going to be a lot of fun to watch because it's going to be a royal defensive struggle. Yeah, these these are not necessarily victory laps, Harry Snowman. I appreciate it. Uh, but, you know, it's just it's nice to see the direction of, you know, things that you thought would happen, especially when things you thought would happen did not happen. Right. Dan? like, you know, in like in the Gibson case or a couple other guys we talked about. Um, but shout out to you guys in the chat, man. Uh, you know, famous Jay, Harry Snowman, uh, Nick Tabs is, is here with us. AJ Hernandez in the house. Joshua Dodge. You guys are, are always awesome. We love when you guys come in and, and drop your comments, your thoughts whether they're good or bad, we love them. Make sure you smash the like, guys. Smash that subscribe and, and share this with someone um, out there in Fantasyland, you know, whether it's not necessarily a league mate, but, you know, a friend or sister, brother, or anyone you know that's that's playing fantasy. Send them a little Goat District link and uh, share the goatness with, uh, and, with and, them. And 1912, we can't forget 1912. Oh, 1912, yeah. Sorry, buddy. There he is. Yeah, don't forget me. Hey, we got to chat still, 1912. You got to get in the DMs there, brother. All right. Everybody's coming up in the in the, the chat here. Then let's go back to Philly and uh, Dallas Goddard. I know we got a stack, I believe, in with uh, Hertz. Maybe we can talk about this offense as a whole. I mean, we're talking about two of their big weapons here. Heath Cummings points out the last time Dallas Goddard played and produced zero yards in a game was week 12 of 2021. And then the next week, he had the six catches for 105 and two touchdowns. You worried about... Philly, you worried about Goddard? You worried about Hurts, or is this just a matter of they played a New England offense or defense, who we know is is tops in the league? Why yeah, not? New England, I think, is probably going to be pretty good at, against the tight end when all is said and done. So you know, I I wouldn't uh, get too worried about it. Um, I will point out that uh, Mark Garcia, Hilo, when he was on for the It's a Trap episode, yes, uh, Dallas Goddard was and one like of his trap that. players. Uh, yep. You know, and and basically. Uh, you know, the, the consensus we came up with was why not just draft, uh, you know, like a, a Pat Fryermuth a couple rounds later rather than spend up on Goddard because they're probably pretty close to the same player. So not concerned about Goddard at all. If you've got him on your team, I'd still have him confidently in the starting lineup. Um, I expect things to turn around. Um, you know, the Vikings defense is certainly not all that great. So, you know. I, I don't see a reason why he can't uh, get things turned around pretty quickly there. Dan, Jacoby Myers, 10 targets, nine receptions, 81 yards, two touchdown, maybe one of the only bright lights in that offense uh, in Vegas over the weekend. What are your thoughts on Myers? Is he someone you're happy you have shares in best ball? Are you thinking he, you wish you had more, or are you thinking he's a buy, he's a sell? What are your thoughts on the receiver right now um, in, in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, you know, basically he's, you know, probably second line for targets on that offense. Uh, you know, he's got a concussion right now, so we don't know if he's going to be playing in week two, but, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a team that's probably going to have to pass a good bit. Um, you know, Garoppolo is competent, even if he can't stay healthy. When he is in the game, he's fairly competent. And, uh, you know, he was relentlessly feeding Myers and Devontae Adams. So uh, I would expect that to continue. So I think if you've got Jacoby Myers 
you got a nice little bargain um, in the last half of your draft, and he's somebody that you can probably, any week he's playing, you can put him in your lineup pretty confidently and uh, and feel like you're going to get a, a good number of points. You know, I don't expect him to, to score two touchdowns again, but, you know, I think he's probably going to be getting eight to ten targets. He'll probably catch seven, eight of them and, uh, you know, get 70, 80 yards, something like that. So if that works for you, uh, get him in your lineup. Yeah, he was one of those guys, if you started maybe RB early or you hit the QB tight end position early in those best ball drafts or in those redrafts, uh, he was a guy that you could get as your wide receiver three-ish, you know, in a panic, a wide receiver two, and, and look at the numbers he's giving you. You don't, it, like you said, you're not getting this every week, but I do think he can give you pretty consistent uh, targets moving forward in, in what we like to call the narrow target tree, Dan. Yes, narrow target trees are, are what we live for. It's uh, it's so nice when you can count on targets, especially in an offense that like you know they're not going to be the best, so they they got to be throwing the ball, especially in that division against the the offenses they got to play against. Yep. All right, who have we who haven't we touched on, Dan? I see another couple uh, tight ends here, Chig, Everett. Go ahead on on whichever one you want to start with. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Chig uh, on Conquo. So. What I love to see is that he got a ton of snaps and he was running routes a lot, much more than last year. Uh, the only problem was he only got two targets, but if he can get the targets, keep the efficiency he had last year and combine it with the uh, the amount of usage, the volume that he's getting this year, uh, that can be something really special. So if you've got Chig, I would not drop him. I'd hang on to him. Uh, you know, you might put him on your bench until you, you know, you see him do something, but uh, I, I think he's an intriguing player that you really want to hold on to and, uh, you know, just kind of let things develop a little bit. And uh, then we had uh, Gerald Everett. This is basically the opposite problem. Uh, you know, we hoped that Gerald Everett was going to be, you know, kind of the, the go-to tight end and an offense that was going to be passing the ball a ton. Uh, you know, we had visions of uh, what Jake Ferguson was or uh, not Jake Ferguson, uh, what Dalton Schultz was doing last yeah. year in the Dallas offense. And, you know, with Kellen Moore coming over and we've got a good quarterback with uh, Justin Herbert, you know, so it was real easy to tell yourself a story where Gerald Everett was going to be, you know, a really underrated big-time producer. And what's actually happened is that, at least in week one, he was splitting time with Donald Parham. And if he's going to be a part-time tight end, I probably don't want any part of him in most leagues. I mean, if you're in the FFPC and you've got 20-man rosters, yeah, you probably can still roster Everett. But it's going to be really hard to put him in your starting lineup unless you're in a real jam. So uh, that's, that's very, very concerning. I would need to see something different as far as his usage before I would trust him again in, in my lineup. Yeah, Mark Dank can bring uh, on Twitter at Mark Dank points out the split between the two. Everett 55 snaps, Parm 40. Everett thir- 23 snaps, Parm 17. Everett three targets, Parm three. And then zero red zone targets for Parm and two where he scored uh, TD for, for Parm. So again, as an Everett f- uh, fan, you're not happy to see, or not fan, but owner, you're, you're not happy to see that. But you got to think in that chargers offense he was never going to be one of those top three targets anyways you know what i mean whereas mm-hmm. chig because it's kind of that narrower target tree you got to think he's got a better a better chance of being one of those top targets in that offense obviously he had a better chance with burks being out but i mean it's not like burks did much anyways this weekend right so um 
yeah maybe right. one is maybe one's pointing up and one's pointing down dan yeah exactly and uh you know the the curious thing in tennessee was how much they used uh nick westbrook akini uh, not surprising yeah that that's right the, yeah not surprising that he was on the field a lot because they ran a lot of three wide receiver sets but the number of targets he got versus Traylon Burks and uh, Chig was definitely a little bit surprising. Not something I would def really necessarily expect to continue, sort of a one-week aberration. So I'm, I'm still holding Traylon Burks. I'm still holding Chig, uh, you know, not putting them in my, my starting lineup right now, but definitely keeping them on the bench. Yeah, Adam Levitan pointed out uh, NWI, as he calls them, seven targets on 33 snaps, where Traylon Burks, three targets on 37 snaps. And then mm -hmm. Chig two targets on on thirty snaps. So a bit of the breakdown there. I mean, not that Tannehill looked great or that offense looked great um, this weekend, but who knows moving forward uh, what they what they look like. Anyone we missed then uh, or that you wanted to bring up? I mean, we can go through all misses and and you know hits and all that. But I think anything on the the Colts uh, my Colts I know uh, Pittman looked good I know Pittman was a guy I was tweeting out like he's super he's going way too early right now I was trying to find that tweet just in case I needed it you know to, if that continues in the season but I feel like Pittman uh looks like he's a solid wide receiver one there Richardson looked pretty good for his first game um Evan Hall disappointing he gets injured uh, you know especially with Deion Jackson was never he wasn't anyone we were really high on dan you and i had that conversation um as as someone that might be a trap maybe even mm -hmm. coming into the season as a starter yeah definitely uh Deion jackson didn't look great um uh, so it's tough to have big expectations for him uh, kind of the player i want to highlight on the colts would be josh downs um he had almost as many snaps as Pittman and alec pierce um he ran close to as many routes, uh, Pittman 46, Alec Pierce 41, Josh Downs 36, and he got twice as many targets as Alec Pierce. Um, I think that he's somebody that, uh, you know, as, as Richardson gets a little bit more comfortable running that offense, I think Josh Downs could definitely be a big part of that. So um, he's basically free right now in almost any league. Um, he's on the waiver wire even in 20-man leagues, um, at least some of the time. So, or not 20 man leagues, but I should say 20 leagues with uh, rosters of 20 players um, and, and 12 teams. So, you know, in a 240 player deep, he's still on the waiver wire, uh, you know, probably about 30, 40% of the time. If your rosters only run 15 or 16 deep, he's going to be on the waiver wire pretty much everywhere. So, uh, somebody to keep an eye on because I think uh, good things could start happening for him as well. Before we get to waiver wire talk, Dan, we've got about 10 minutes left here uh, in the show. Out of these offenses, like who are you, or, or even top of your head, like what offense concerns you the most? I know your, your Vikings cost me one of my survivor entries. I had the Vikings and Washington. And the worst part is, is I went in to change Minnesota to Baltimore and I somehow just left the screen on, on my, on my laptop and I never actually made the change. I was so pissed when I saw that, but Minnesota, Cincinnati, we talked about. We talked about Pittsburgh. I mean, they played a tough defense. The Jets now without Rodgers and, you know, the Bills not looking that great. Who, which, which offense are you most concerned about just as a whole? You know, I would actually throw Seattle out there. Or Seattle, uh, yeah. Good yeah, one. They, they just did not look good against the Rams. Uh, you know, and the Rams defense 
when you look at them on paper, they sure it looks like Aaron Donald and uh, you know a, a bunch of basically lawn chairs out there, and that, that was not exactly how it went. Uh, they they had they played a lot of havoc with uh, Seattle's offensive line. I mean, I know Seattle had a couple linemen hurt during the game, you know, but they've they've got to find a way to deal with that because uh, they did pretty much nothing but three and outs for the entire second half. Uh, you know, this is an offense we expected to see a lot more out of uh, uh, Metcalf, out of uh, Lockett, and out of uh, JSN. And we did see a good amount out of Walker in the first half. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf looked pretty good in the second half, but by this time, by the second or the first half, I should say, by the second half, uh, everybody looked terrible. So it was just Geno Smith was running for his life. Uh, when he when he was throwing the ball, he wasn't uh, wasn't doing very well with it. So it was a tough offense to watch, and I'm definitely concerned about that. Are we panicking as uh, top tier quarterback drafters? If you drafted a lot of these, you know, top three guys, Hurts, uh, Mahomes, or uh, Allen, right now, Dan? I'm not panicking because you know. Part of the deal is is that there's almost no preseason anymore, and a lot of times the uh, you know the starters aren't playing at all, or they're playing just so very little. Uh, you know, we we've seen a lot of rustiness in that first week. Uh, I was I was talking to one of my friends as we were watching the games. I said, you know, the bet I should have made when I was at the books was to just bet the under on every single game, and mm-hmm. I would have come out a winner. Uh, yeah, what was it? Somebody, one of my buddies, told me what the record was for the unders uh, this this week, and it was like eighty five percent or some some crazy like that. Yeah, it was. I I, I didn't uh, go back and look at it exactly, but uh, yeah, the the unders hit definitely more often than not, probably at least two thirds of the time. So uh, yeah, that and and I think that's just going to be the way it is going forwards in the NFL because they're just you know they're not putting that emphasis on being ready. So week one is really kind of the dress rehearsal for the offenses. And so the defenses tend to be a lot more ahead, uh, you know, when both sides really haven't, uh, haven't been out on the field that much, you typically see defense ahead of offense. So that's what we saw. Yeah. He's not one of the top three, but the, the Burrow situation in Cincinnati definitely worries me the most because that's, you know, going to be the hardest to turn around. Uh, if it's the, if it's the quarterback that's got the issue, but I like your call on on Seattle um, earlier with with one of those offenses to worry about. Let's talk waiver wire really quick before we got about five minutes. Dan, um, obviously with you know after week one it's chaos. You are a waiver wire. I'll say it. You're like a waiver wire to me. You're a waiver wire guru. To to the people out there, you should be a waiver wire guru. Uh, you you're you're just always on top of it. You you're, you're your bids are, are very uh, good. I don't, I don't even know how to like they're they're accurate. I guess you could say just because you you're, you're pretty good at gauging what amount you should put on players. Um, anyways, what are your general thoughts usually going to week one, and and how has it changed if if at all with this uh, this specific season? Yeah, so depending on the size of your league, uh, the waiver wire might be very rich or it might be uh, a little bit down. Uh, you know, when we're looking at our uh, contest leagues in the FFPC and NFFC, uh, you know, and we've got 12 teams and we go 20 deep for each roster, it's a little light this week. Uh, you know, here and there you can find guys that, uh, you know, that particular league might have skipped over. Uh, like I'm finding, you know, some uh, some Hunter Henrys, some Hayden Hursts, 
at tight end. I'm finding, uh, you know, Josh Downs, uh, Rashid Shahid, um, even a little bit of Puka Matu- Nakua. Um, <laughs> try saying that three times. That's Kendrick Bourne, uh, you know, so players like that. But you don't want to break the bank on any of these guys because they're, you know, if you need a tight end, yeah, go out, go out and spend what you need to get Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst. Uh, I, I think they're going to do you well. But uh, if you are looking for wide receiver help, you know, I think you probably don't want to be over probably 10 or 15% on any of these wide receivers, uh, you know, even if a, like a Puka Nakua is out there. It's just hard for me to get up that high. And for running backs, Justice Hill is out there. I don't know. I mean, this that whole situation just kind of seems like a mess to me because Gus Edwards is definitely involved. Uh, Justice Hill is going to be involved. I mean, Justice Hill has had four years in Baltimore before this year, and you know we barely heard a peep out of him. And now all of a sudden he's going to be the savior because he happened to fall in the end zone a couple times. I, you know... I'll be bidding on Justice Hill, but I'm not going to break the bank for him, for sure. This is what I'm going to say about waiver wires, because we talked about a lot of the guys, um, and and we didn't want to make this necessarily a waiver wire show. But be careful who you drop. You know, I, I Dan, I you know I've talked to him in the past, coming really close in what used to be called the football guys, because I got Odell Beckham Jr. off of waivers, uh, his big year. And another year, I believe it was Juju, like picked up off waivers. He was he had a pretty good season that season. So, a pay attention to who's being dropped, and just be careful of who you drop because it might be a regret you have if that guy's taken and they go on and be the league winner or, or you know one of those league winning uh, players. So that's that's my quick two cents. I mean, we talked a lot about these guys. I think it really depends on your situation. I actually like Justice Hill. Because I don't know that he's going to be one of the most um, sought-after guys. I think. What do you think, Dan? You think Gus Edwards more bid on than Justice Hill, or you think Justice Hill is the guy that everybody's going after? I think more people are going to be going harder after Justice Hill because they're just okay. going to look at that box score and see the two touchdowns. Um, you know, and, and they might be right. I don't know. Um, but again, I just I, I don't see it as being a situation that. You know, it, it's probably going to be a mess. It's going to be a little bit truff, tougher to trust. Uh, you know, if uh, if Josh Kelly is available, I'd definitely be going after him. If Kyron Williams is available, I'd definitely be going after him much before I'm going after, uh, you know, Justice Hill. So I, I would put in the bigger bids on those two players and a uh, smaller bid on Justice Hill or, uh, you know, like uh, I, I believe 1912 was asking how much would you bid on Josh Kelly if you had a $100 budget. Uh, I would say how much you need Josh Kelly. That's the question. Uh, because a lot of it is uh, when you're thinking about your bids, you want to think about not only, you know, what do I think other people are going to bid, but I also need to think about how much is this guy worth to me on this particular team? Because, you know, if I'm, if I'm deep at running back, I'm just going to put in a price enforcing bid on Josh Kelly. I don't necessarily need him. I just don't want to see somebody pick him up for too cheap. But if I really got a need at running back and I'm I'm already going, you know, I'm I'm in trouble at running back, I'm probably gonna put in a healthy bid on Josh Kelly. You know, like I might put in thirty percent even, um, and see if I can land him that way. Because you know what? I don't care if I overspend, if I really need a guy, if I made sure I got my guy, I'm happy with that. 
It's a little bit tougher when you've got the $100 um, maximum rather than the $1,000 maximum because when you can do dollar bids, you know, $1,000 can go a long, long way even if you spend 900 of it right away, right? Um, you know, you're not always going to get the guys you want, but you can keep putting in those dollar bids. Whereas, you know, if you use up $70 of your $100 bid, now you've only got 30 more bids you can do max. So, uh, you know, you have to keep things like that in mind as well. He's the overhyped sleeper. Note you on the end because he's just dropping straight fire. And we're going to end with that, Dan. This has been a blast. Hopefully you all enjoyed. You smash the like button, smash the subscribe. Check us out every Tuesday night right here on the Player Profiler Network, 9 p.m. Eastern. Find us on your favorite podcast platform. And Thursday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, tailgating before the Thursday night. Come check us out on the Goat District YouTube channel. Guys, good luck week two. We'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex, then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be trading. 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 And I'll always be trading. Trading. And I'll always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Fish.